With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, uh, good morning to you all. It's 9.03 here on SENZ. Uh, Ian Smith with you till midday today with an extremely busy Wednesday, I've got to say. Shane Jurgensen is our first guest very shortly. Of course, he's the bowling coach for the Black Caps, and how's he splitting his time between three squads at the moment? Where is he? When does he join them, uh, etc.? And what about those bowling stocks that he's got to work with at the moment? Fantastic. Uh, the Magic coach, uh, Bay of Plenty Magic coach, uh, Mary Jane Araroa is, is with us uh, at 9.32. Man, what kind of squad is she assembling all of a sudden? Uh, they didn't have much luck uh, last year. They were pretty average, to be fair. Uh, they might not be this time uh, next time around because you look at uh, who they've signed, it's pretty special. Frank Bunce, uh, after 10 o'clock, with his thoughts on the upcoming uh, Bledisloe Cup, uh, the All Black selection, and, of course, uh, he's got a, a history with Manu Samoa. So what about Moana Pacifica in his eyes? How quickly will it take uh, to catch on? Uh, the panel consists of Honey Hiramiya Smiler and uh, Andrew Gordy this morning. Uh, they're around 10.20. Louis Herman, what Paul Moati. We're going to check in with Roly Crichton again. Now, Roly is Sophie Pascoe's coach. Uh, how's he feeling the morning after her 10th gold? Uh, Dave Worsley, uh, an update on the tennis. And a really special guest just before uh, midday will be Oscar Kitely. Uh, he's in our Sports No Joke segment. And what an interesting uh, man, he is, and what he's doing for the Pacific community. Really busy, really busy, busy Wednesday. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon. Well, is there anything more beautiful to light up your lockdown than a Sophie Pascoe smile? Normal transmission has resumed in the Tokyo pool. Those daring catch me if you can tactics have finally paid off. It was close, but they couldn't. And now gold medal number 10. Yes, number 10 is safely in her grasp. And these were a different kind of tears, yet familiar tears. Motivation from a hospitalised coach. Good on you, Rolly. We'll speak to you soon. To a unique purpose and determination that only this special breed of athlete can muster. Very evident emotion. It was very, very evident in the post-match reflection. There was emotion too in the voice of Sir Michael Jones yesterday as he too reflected on hard work and determination being rewarded. Moana, Pacifica and Fijian Drua have finally, after decades of pushing and pulling and lobbying, received the green light and will take their place at Super Rugby 22's start line in the new year. The where and who questions will be answered next week. Where will they call home? Moana, Pacifica. Where will it be? Will it be uh, Mount Smart? Well, that's where the smart money is. 
with a rumour around Pukekohe as well. Close enough both to attract the appropriate fan base and close enough too to attract the inquisitive. And who will run the cutter? Surely a man with the feeling, the passion, the experience and the respect that is unique to the island form. Enough respect to attract the squad base. They will need the patience to start at the bottom and begin the crawl upwards. It will be a grind and a tough journey, too tough a journey, even for Mitch. Maybe someone who has the blood, who's played at the top, coast at the top, learnt from the best. Maybe someone who's just stepped away from a franchise to sort out some family stuff, but who could never leave the game. He's not a bad option, is he? Not a bad option at all. Well, the Black Caps return to action to, tonight for the first time since the World Test Championship final in England, but the conditions couldn't be more different as they prepare to take on Bangladesh in Dhaka in the first of five T20 internationals. Joining us uh, from back in New Zealand is the New Zealand or Black Caps New Zealand bowling coach, Shane Jurgensen. Uh, good morning, Shane. First of all, what it's uh, like watching from afar, it's going to be a bit tough because you know Bangladesh pretty well. Oh, Smithy, good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm opening the batting with you. I'm, you're starting your show, so I'm, I'm a bit out of my comfort zone. But, yeah, I'm out of my comfort zone too. Uh, um, watching the boys from afar, it'll be interesting to see. You know, it'll be a great challenge for them against Bangladesh, who um, beat Australia recently in a series there. So you've got three squads uh, that you're involved with, um, you know, one afar at the moment. Uh, you're going to be joining, I understand, you're going to be joining the one that goes to uh, Pakistan, is that correct? Yeah, at this stage I was just working through some um, visa issues with the lockdowns at the moment, but this stage, yeah, joining them with the, the T20 part of Pakistan, that's correct. Okay, so let's uh, look at the squads, the bowling side of things that, that you have. Uh, particularly for, for this group um, that uh, is going to play tonight. Uh, under Glenn Pocknell, uh, who's a, a relatively new name for us, and uh, Graham Aldridge, who's been around the cricket scene for quite some time, who is the bowling coach. Tell us a wee bit about Graham's strength and, and how you communicate with him uh, with work on these squads. Yeah, it's really important from our perspective that the transition and the players are the priority. So... Um, I've known Graham for a long time from my previous stint with the team uh, when he was still playing and he's a very calm calm uh, coach and has you know been coaching for a while with Northern Districts as a bowling coach and now as their head coach so he's very familiar with that group and been working with high performance uh, teams uh, for a while and, and Glenn Pocknell's had a very successful stint so far with Wellington Firebirds particularly in the white ball formats but uh, you know he's you know, he's having a fantastic opportunity and we, we have spent some time with the players, um, all of us coaches, in the two camps leading up to our departure uh, or the, the team's departure to Bangladesh. So, you know, we've tried to make the transition as smooth as possible and the, the squad that's in Bangladesh right now, there's only two players that have never, that haven't you know, yet played for New Zealand. So, you know, they'll, they'll all be very keen for this opportunity to, to play well as a team. Let's uh, look at the bowling depth that you've got at your disposal. Now you've been in this gig uh, for New Zealand um, over nine years now, so you know, in the, in the course of a couple of stunts. But uh, you must be pretty pleased with uh, the bowling unit as a whole. I mean, it's operating like a, a pretty well-oiled machine. 
uh, regardless of the, com uh, of the conditions. Yeah, really, really happy, uh, you know, what we did recently in England and uh, all, all the formats really, Smithy, that it's been great to see their development. Um, I think with the success of the team, um, consistencies around selection and the, the confidence within the group, um, you know, we've got a, a steady group of bowlers that have either in one format or have been across all formats and that's allowed us to, you know, really work on that depth and I think that's, um, you know, and even and even now it's a fantastic opportunity for our spinners um, and our young spinners that have been doing really well in domestic cricket. So, you know, with KJ and then obviously Tim and Trent for us, KJ's rise and test um, particularly, um, and obviously Neil doing his, his job there. And then in the white ball format, you know, we've got some guys that can really bowl some heat now, um, which is amazing too. You know, Lockie, Lockie Ferguson, Adam Milne, who's had, unfortunately, some injuries of late, but is playing consistent cricket for nearly a year now. So exciting times. And a young Ben Sears who, you know, at some stage will feature in this tour. Can you coach pace? People ask me, can you coach pace, Shane? Uh, can you coach pace? I think fast bowling is a real... Uh, it's, it's, it's an attitude. Um, there's no doubt you're going to get injured. Um, and that's... You know, to give you an example, in Lockie's, you know, as, as I've just said, Lockie's had stress fractures, Adam Milne's had foot issues for a few years, but he's back and firing now. It just comes with the territory. So, look, when, you, when you're fast, you're fast. And, and that's just, I know that sounds pretty simple to answer, but it, it is a different kettle of fish. You know, the guys that are fast, they're, they're above the other ones. <laughs> and uh, there's just that extra pace and that extra element. Um, yeah, there's certainly something that's done and built over a long period of time with a mixture of what people are born with, but also the hard work in the gym and, and, and running and the fitness element to, to support that over for a long period of time. For those that haven't seen him, uh, and I'll put my hand up here, I haven't seen much of him, Ben Sears, tell us about his uh, attributes. Uh, he's going to be uh, lining up tonight. Yeah, I think uh, with Ben, he's done really well uh, domestically, particularly in the T20 format um, for Wellington or white ball format so far. Um, he's 23 um, and he's got some long arms, long legs. He's got, you know, quite a... Um, a different action. It's, it's sort of, and with that action though, he's got long levers that be able to create that extra pace. And you know he's done really well. And for a while, he's been in the high performance programs with the Winter Training Squad in New Zealand A. So he's, you know, he deserved his opportunity to be in that squad. Um, not too sure when he'll feature as yet, but you know he's done he's done really well. And he's he's got to learn a lot from this tour, um, which is a fantastic opportunity for him. But one thing that we do know is he bowls really good pace and he's been frightening a few batters for a while now. So he's got a good opportunity to, to you know, get himself under a, a fantastic experience in Bangladesh and Pakistan. One of the players that has amazed the world of cricket, actually, uh, with just how quickly and how devastating his early impact has been, is, of course, is uh, Kyle Jamieson. Uh, now you've uh, seen him when he first came into the squad, you noticed him, um, he, he was floating around the scenes and all of a sudden you gave him the ball and the rest is a very, very quick and impressive history. Um, what is it about him? I mean, you can't coach, maybe you can't coach pace too much, you certainly can't coach height. If you haven't got it, you haven't got it. So 
what are his attributes and, and perhaps let's get inside his head a wee bit. We know what he's like physically, but what about his head? Mm. Oh, look, you know, it's a great question. He's really developed into, you know, he's uh, a very skillful um, bowler. Um, he's obviously tall. And the one thing that was not surprising, but how much impact he's had when he first came on, because probably not, up until when he first started with New Zealand, uh, the Black Caps, um, there, there was always a, a bit of a, a question around whether he was accurate enough with the new ball. And I'm sure Kyle being Kyle, he'll probably question that. And that's the best thing about Kyle, is he's always wanting to learn. He's always wanting to get better. Um, he, he puts me under pressure. So he'll say to me, like recently, one of his questions is, is what have I got to do to get better at T20 cricket? What are the things that I need to do? And he, he puts you under pressure to make him better, which is, you know, a, a fantastic um, attribute for any young person in sport that wants to get better, just continually wanting to learn. And he's done a lot of work away from the bat and the ball, um, on his mental game, how to approach it, um, how to stay calm under pressure. Um, and he really does dot his I's and cross his T's to give himself every opportunity to be successful. And the one thing that really pleased me in the, the World Test Championship final was that last morning, and, and all our bowlers are like this, I'm not taking anything away from how well the other guys have done, but I think with Kyle, he, with him just personally, the way that he approached that last morning against India, and I was just, he wanted me to go and talk to him just so, just to sort of, not so much to give him advice, but he wanted to um, talk to me about things. And he was actually telling me what he's going to do. And I'm going to put this player here for pant. This is the plan I'm going to bowl. And hopefully that's going to work. And then just the way that he approached getting Pajara and Coley out before that was amazing. And that's, you know, he's really developed not just as a bowler to execute really good lines and lengths and swing the ball both ways, but he's, he's also developed his plans around what field placements to basically keep the batter guessing. Shane Jurgensen, I mean, apart from Neil Wagner, who is basically a, a red ball bowler in terms of international cricket anyway, when bowlers come along to you these days, do you, do you look to earmark them for a particular form or... You know, bearing in mind that you know white ball cricket uh, can be uh, a lot more lucrative than red ball cricket, do you, do you keep them open-minded right from the outset, or do you, uh, within your your thinking, do you earmark them in terms of their development for one particular form to begin with? Yeah, it's a it's a really good, um, tough tough sort of you know game these days around that because there's so many opportunities with white ball cricket, and I think you know another example of this would be maybe Lockie, who was doing, you know, really well, probably initially maybe more in the red ball format for Auckland, and then he started playing for us in white ball crew with the, the Black Caps and has had such a, a fantastic impact. And, you know, I, sometimes you just can't predict what's going to happen. Um, and it's just the way that it goes. And I think there's been a few players of that type of example. So certainly... Um, don't want to earmark them, but I think through our programs and our systems and the high performance unit, as I've had previous mentioned, and, and working closely with us and watching these players, you, you soon discover where their strengths are and are they accurate 
you know, where do they swing the ball and, uh, you know, how they swing the ball and what skills can they bring to the team in that particular role. And that's where Gary and Kane and, and, the, and Gab Larson sort of, they hone in on that type of stuff. So, you know, us job as coaches, we, we try to have the players become totally um, involved in their game um, to have the plans that they need and the one word that you probably hear us use consistently is adapt. And if we can get players to have two or three slower balls, great Yorker, great bouncer, and be able to swing the ball and be accurate, well, potentially every player that presents themselves can play all formats for New Zealand. And when we're under pressure, we've got to adapt to the pitch and what that is doing and the situation of the game. And Look, we just try to make sure they got all the areas covered. And, you know, no one's ever the polished cricketer, the finished product. Um, it does take a while. And, you know, you're seeing really good things from, you know, things like Tim Southey, how he's adapted his game beautifully over the years from being a really good Yorker bowler when he was younger. And now he's got fantastic slow balls to complement um, his already good good skills. So, you know, we're always working on the guys to have the complete game and adapt it accordingly. Shane, we just had a quick text in from Chris. Who is the quickest of the three quicks? In your mind, if they're all operating at full capacity, who's the fastest bowler New Zealand has at the moment? Oh, thanks, Chris. Good question. Um, oh, look, I think at the moment probably Lockie still is up there. Um, when Lockie comes in and he's at all guns and he, he's firing, I mean, I thought that game against West Indies at Eden Park last year, unfortunately... He was injured just after it, but that was one of the quickest spells I've seen. I mean, to, to see the way that that particular game changed. I mean, you might remember West Indies had quite a good start after three or four overs. And then he came on and was bowling mid-150s and looked like he was doing it quite easily. So, yeah, Lockie's probably still up there, but, you know, probably, you know, Ben and Milne aren't far behind him, so... We'll see. We'll see. It'd be great to see them all playing maybe one day together if it, if it, all the the stars align. Wouldn't that be great, uh, Shane? Doing great job. Uh, look, uh, long mate, continue too because uh, we've got a heck of a team at the moment based around the fact that we bowl sides out, and that's the key to it as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, well done. Uh, it's been out, outstanding, and uh, all the best for what's coming up for this season away and at home, and uh, most importantly, travel safely. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Millie. Nice to hear your voice again. Great to, doing great things. Thanks, mate, as always. Bye now. Cheers, Jugo. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, uh, Shane Jurgensen, the air man, as he got uh, his finger on the pulse in terms of our bowling stocks. Uh, yeah, outstanding. Okay, calls and texts, uh, 8833 um, is our text number, uh, and uh, 0800 if you've got to any texts about uh, that particular scenario where our bowling stocks are and uh, what you think of them and what, what a great job they're doing, um, uh, text us in on that or the other one quite clearly, Sophie Pascoe. Sophie Pascoe, what do you think of Sophie Pascoe and gold medal number 10, outstanding. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Text come in from Anthony. Thanks very much, Anthony. Uh, he says, uh, Hi, Smithy JD. What do you think of our bowling lineup for the T20 World Cup? What do you think it will be? Three seamers and two spinners, or two seamers and three spinners? Oh, I've just written down a quick combination for me. I think first up, now, conditions are going to 
definitely favour the spinners, but is that still our strength? That's the key. Uh, look, I think we we got to ha- obviously have the two high price guys. We've got uh, two players playing in the IPL. Between them, are worth about three point six seven million dollars. So, and they're playing in those conditions. So Bolt and Jamison are an absolute must. Uh, I'd probably have a crack with uh, Lockie Ferguson because uh, if he's on song, he gets wickets, he gets people out, uh, and he he demands respect. So at that kind of pace, if he if he's got the rhythm, if he can get it down the other end at one fifty, uh, even on a good batting surface. That is a problem area for batsmen. Santner, of course, goes in because he can bowl anywhere. Uh, you can open with pace and you can then open with uh, Santner at the other end. You've got your Nisham um, sort of bracket there and uh, East Sodi as well. So I, I think whilst our, our strength is seen bowling, we've got to trust our spinners in those conditions, particularly as the tournament wears on. So uh, mine would be Bolt, Saudi, uh, Bolt, Jamison, Ferguson, Santner, Sodi would be my initial bowling lineup. And then I have to bat. Uh, back my batting around that, which means I probably have to perhaps not play uh, Tim Seifert at the moment. I would have use Conway as my keeper, and that gives me an extra batting option or an all-around option. So you, you can only afford to have one or two specialist batsmen on your side. The rest have got to be bit part players who can do a bit of both. So that's the way I would look at my bowling attack. Um, John, I don't know if you've got any opinions on that or, or anything else. As, um, uh, we look forward to uh, this interview with uh, Mary-Jane Araroa. I really am looking forward to how she's managed to secure uh, this all-star side uh, for the, the forthcoming ANZ Championship. Uh, we're talking about the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic, of course. Some big names uh, all of a sudden assembling there. Uh, Sophie, Pascoe, Sophie Pascoe overnight. Were you um, a little bit worried that that might not be gold this time around at some stage? Yeah, yeah, I was a little bit concerned just because um, just mentally she's obviously gone through some really tough times over the last few years and then... Once you win of your first bronze of your career, it must mentally be quite damaging when you're so used to winning all the time. And I guess you'd start to second guess yourself. So that's why I'm interested to have uh, Rolly Crichton, her coach, after 11 o'clock. Just uh, she must have called him afterwards and just been like, "Hey, Rolly, what's going on here? Like, I just, I'm fading over the last 25 meters. Like, can you help me out?" And she managed mm. to hang on last night, Smithy. They came for her again. Uh, she started strong, and that seems to be the way she goes about her game plan, uh, but then had that mental strength and had that will, had that determination to hit that wall first by 0.4 of a second and win a 10th gold medal, which is just quite amazing. And yeah, on the Magic, win one game out of 15, uh, that won't be happening again next year with the squad they've got. They've picked up some great players, and Black Caps, I had exactly the same five bowlers as you. Ferguson, Jamison, Bolt, and then Sodi and Santner with the spin. Nisham, the all-rounder, and Phillips can bowl a bit of spin, and Kane Williamson can also chuck a few down. So there's plenty of options there, Smithy. Oy. That was a bad turn of phrase, that. Chuck a few down. Uh, that wasn't very nice at all. I'm a big Kane Williamson fan, and uh, uh, he's just lost confidence because uh, the eye is on him, the scrutiny is on him, as it is on quite a few off-spinners and uh, spinners around the world. But uh, he's had to do a bit of rehabilitating Kane, and that's... Uh, uh, I think we just worry about Kane Williamson's batting and his captaincy. That's uh, just enough on the world stage. Uh, but, you know, uh, Glenn Phillips. Glenn Phillips is bowling spin, you know. So th- there's another option. You've got young Chapman, Mark Chapman from uh, uh, from Auckland. So there's there's a lot of variations in there. I think they've covered pretty much every base as you have to when you're going into a World Cup. They look good. Netball very shortly. Very shortly, uh, Mary-Jane Araroa from the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic. But in the meantime, but more magic. Here's uh, Trudy with the 9.30 news. The all-new SNZ. It's Kiwi for sport.
Smithy making SNZ News this hour. Thousands of construction sites are reopening today amid predictions that common building products could run out within days. The construction sector says the government's failed to understand how damaging it is to have shut warehouses in Auckland while Alert Level 3 sites are crying out for materials. And most of New Zealand woke up to a freer Level 3 this morning. Northland will stay at Level 4 till tomorrow night unless worrying wastewater results come in while Auckland remains in lockdown for another fortnight. 49 new COVID cases yesterday, the outbreak currently 612. And the limo driver who sparked the original New South Wales Delta outbreak has been fined. Michael Pogetsky was fined uh, $500 for not wearing a mask. The 63-year-old's the index case in the outbreak, which has claimed the lives of 96 people. He's believed to have caught COVID while driving international air crews to and from Sydney Airport in June. SCNZ Radio.NZ Sport coming up. The SCNZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. Paralympic great Sophie Pascoe has won her first gold medal at the Tokyo Games in the 100-metre freestyle. It's her 10th gold, her 18th medal of her career. And William Steadman also won a second medal, a bronze, in his 400-metre sprint. Our New Zealand medal tally is now eight. World tennis number four, Karolina Pliskova, has fired off eight aces to defeat American wildcard Katie McNally in straight sets and cruise into the US Open second round. And the Tall Blacks have been drawn in Group A alongside Korea, the Philippines and India for round one of qualifying for the FIBA Basketball World Cup. Everything that's happening in sport, snzradio.nz. Slow-moving front will bring periods of heavy rain to Northland today. There could be some embedded thunderstorms, but a big high over the rest of New Zealand bringing fine weather for everyone. Follow us at SCNZ underscore radio. Netball now and uh, the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic team had just one win from 15 games in this year's ANZ Premiership. But uh, really, smart money says it won't be happening again next year. And the reason why is because uh, the squad that they have already uh, begun to assemble, it looks uh, massively impressive on paper. Uh, Silver Ferns, uh, Amelioran, Ekinasio, uh, Katrina Raw and Bailey Mez all joining the Magic signings in the last two to three weeks. Uh, and the, the lady responsible for signing them and, and bringing them to this uh, franchise, which is increasing in terms of its profile, as the new coach, Mary Jane Araroa. Good morning to you, Mary Jane. Good morning, Kilda. How are you? Oh, look, uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm sure you are too, because uh, last year, of course, uh, you only have to look at, uh, you know, the points table um, to look at. It just wasn't the right time, was it, for for the Magic last year? What What do you think was missing that you've you've managed to get these signings to replace? Uh, look, I think um, there was a wee bit of experience that was missing with right. our group as well in terms of knowing how to push through some barriers. Um, certainly what has been a challenge for us have been the injuries that have incurred with some of our past players with us. And so when, you, when you're approached with injuries like that, it's very difficult then to start establishing some strong combinations. So... Um, you know, I believe that over the certainly over the last three years I've been involved with Magic as an assistant coach. 
We've always had some very good bones in terms of the players that have come to us, uh, just hampered mm. with some injuries and um, other little things that haven't helped us. So, you know, this year, again, a testament to that statement has been there have been some very close um, losses for us where we've lost within one or two goals. So, you know, it hasn't, you know, there's been some great learnings and it hasn't been all lost. So you've managed to attract uh, a number of players, which I'll get to shortly, but it, you uh, actually have not retained Caitlin Bassett, of course, your very high-profile Australian shooter. Uh, what was the story there? Well, Caitlin's just recently come out, and she has acknowledged that she needs to physically get her body ready to play at her full potential. So she's obviously just finished having operation on her knees and getting those tidied up for her. So I guess the decision has really laid with her as opposed to us and uh, really what was she wanting. So she's gone about, I, I understand she's put out a statement there that she's withdrawn from the diamonds as well until, um, and she's actually gone through with surgery um, on both her knees and um, is looking to recover and hopefully return. Well, it's great for Australia in terms of um, uh, their international game. Uh, look, let's get on to the ones uh, that you have signed, which is particularly exciting, and uh, you get good crowds anyway, but they'll be knocking down the doors, I imagine, with this lineup. Katrina Rore is your latest signing. Uh, what, uh, what does she bring to the Magic and, and the group, the unit? Yeah, look, she's going to be uh, bring an abundance of experience and leadership, um, Katrina. We're just absolutely stoked that she has signed on with us. Um, the other thing is, you know, she's one of the highest capped silver ferns that we have currently who is still playing. And so, you know, you can't coach that stuff, eh, Smithy? So we really acknowledge uh, what she will bring to our environment. And I hope, too, that um, she will also get something from our environment and Certainly when speaking to her, what she was looking for is a change um, and she's looking for some good challenges. And, you know, she's had to front up um, with another franchise in terms of when they weren't succeeding as well, but she was also a part of that journey that helped navigate them through to winning back-to-back titles for ANZ. And that sort of experience, you know, we, we can't buy that experience and and I know that she will help us as well um, rise again as a magic and um, at all too. So really looking forward to her. Plus, she's a good bugger, Smithy. She's great. And she's looking for some court time, obviously returning from um, being um, pregnant and having her baby, Lilybud. So, you know, I think it's an exciting time for uh, Katrina to come back and return. Mary Jane, we spoke to uh, Amelia and Ekinasia about 20 minutes, I suppose, after it was released to the media that she had signed uh, with you guys up there. I mean, she was bubbling. She was absolutely thrilled about it. And, um, you know, current Silver Ferns captain, uh, outstanding, uh, an outstanding acquisition for you, you know, at the shooting end. Oh, look, we were we were absolutely excited when she came to the table and was uh, seeking, um, you know, change in her game again, you know, and having coming to us, you know, it's just absolutely, we were stoked. And obviously she's a, a very credited player, um, World Cup winner um, out there, 
leads our silver fern team. So she brings all the attributes that we would like to restore in the magic environment. Um, and she's a top lady as well. You know, it's just amazing that we have had the opportunity to sign these players on. You know, she's a slick player. She's a professional. Um, she knows what's required after returning from having her second baby, um, having already had that experience with her first baby. So, you know, we are just going to wrap around support systems to help her transition back into the athlete that she wants to be and perform at the higher level. So, you know, having someone like her combined with the likes of Katrina, you know, that's just going to help our bids for 2022. Mary Jane, I look at a player like Bailey Mess, and it seems she's an interesting sort of a candidate for me because it looks as if, if you look the way she's sort of travelled around trying to find a home off the court, she's also probably on court trying to find a home as well. What what are you expecting, and what what are you looking for in Bailey Mess? Look, you know, Bailey's just come off the ANZ Championship, and she played uh, the second half of that match, if not more of it. And for me, those were the critical times as well. And she was able to help pull that team and stay on track to take it out. And so, again, another wonderful experience that she can draw from and um, knows what what it took to get herself ready for that. And, you know, and then we speak about the World Cup that she went to there as well. And she helped that group um, take out another title at the highest level. And so, you know, I feel that she's quite untapped. So I'm looking forward to working with her, to finding that home that people think that she's looking for. Um, I don't think it's very hard. She's got some great connections in the Bay of Plenty, uh, some very strong friendships that she's formed, and she continually is uh, somebody that visits us quite often in terms of the region. But as a shooter myself, a past shooter, I feel that I can help her. I feel that I can give mm-hmm. her different um, elements to think about within her game. And, you know, I really look forward to having her uh, join us. But, you know, I think that, you know, at times, you know, she can be underrated. But the work that she does um, behind the scenes, you know, that's just going to help our culture build as well. So she's a very high work ethic. She's very committed. I do believe she is loyal as well. And like the other girls coming, she's looking for change. And so we're more than happy to provide that opportunity for her. Yeah, well, I say change is as good as a rest, and uh, there's nothing like a change to bring out uh, a new appetite, I think, and a lot of players. You've you've made a couple of uh, uh, other signings as well too, haven't you? Um, you know, you, you haven't just stopped at really big headline acts. You've got, gone to uh, more substance in your squad as well from outside? Well, you know, um, that's for me, that's around restoring our legacy as magic, you know, and this is the some of the work that had to be done up front, right from the beginning, and to be able to do that, you do need to um, recruit well, and I'm just ecstatic, and so is our general manager, Gary Dawson, um, that we have been able to draw such calibre players to us, and you know that that helps with our bid. And you know, I, you know, I put myself out there, Smithy, to say, you know, we our intention is to get to the top, not just to move from the bottom. I want us going straight to the top, and I do align us a little bit like the phoenix rising from the ashes. And um, 
<laughs> I guess with naming this roster we have, um, that has certainly stirred up some great, um, great interest. And, you know, hopefully there's a message there to say we are coming back. Well, just finally, uh, Mary Jane, this is about you. I mean, you've been waiting for an opportunity for quite some time, been sitting in the wings, and all of a sudden you've got this talented bunch. Uh, admittedly, one or two of them have been out of the game for 12 months or so, so they have to, you know, get back on track. But, uh, look, how exciting for Mary Jane Araroa is this? Oh, look, I, I'm very humbled, to be honest. Um, they are just... I'm very excited. Um, however, I'm very real about what is expected in this role as well. And so, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better start to my position uh, to the campaign ahead to get these, these, these high caliber of players that I have. And I do also trust in the players that we have resigned as well. And they will be very complimentary to those um, girls that are coming into our environment. And so um, immediately I see a very polished and professional group that will help raise levels of expectation. Um, certainly um, the girls, you know, as I've spoken to them prior to signing on, we've talked about some personal attributes that I attain quite highly, which are things, simple things of integrity, being accountable and making others accountable and valuing each other. And, you know, those are some of the key points these senior players have also spoken about that are, are very um, ranked highly with themselves as well. So, you know, the opportunity to speak to a lot of these players prior to them signing has been a key for us, I believe, in terms of them deciding to come through. Um, but, you know, we've got a long season ahead of us, as we well know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm now focusing on getting our program together um, for pre-season. And one of the things that I certainly want to, Smithy, and which I've spoken to all the girls about, I want Nolene, our Silverfern coach, to have free access to everything we do. And so, you know, there's nothing better than having someone like her within our region um, who has the ability to come in, check up on some of her players, um, see how our program's going, and, you know, if there's any considerations we make, I'm absolutely open for it because I do want the best for our players. So, yeah, I'm absolutely ecstatic, but I absolutely know what's ahead of me. And I can detect you're quite excited about it too. Mary-Jane Araroa, thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, all the best uh, with developing uh, these names into a squad because you can have all the individuals you like, but uh, they've got to be a team at the end of the day. Uh, that's your responsibility. And we wish you all the best with that. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Billy. Ah, thank you. Thank you indeed. Lovely lady. Uh, look, okay, so uh, calls and texts there uh, in terms of uh, what you, you think of uh, the Black Caps' chances tonight. I mean, uh, Bangladesh whopped the Aussies, didn't they? They give them a hiding. What chance for this new look, Black Caps side tonight in Bangladesh? Uh, 88.33. Sophie Pascoe might be uh, on your mind as well. Should be. She's a genius, absolutely sporting genius. Brilliant, inspirational. Uh, yeah, so 8833 is our text number. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold it. Know when to fold it. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run it.
Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, about the only good thing about the multis this week is at least I can recycle the paper that I've written them down on. Uh, the Padres to beat the Diamondbacks yesterday, well, that happened. Um, and Mackenzie McDonald did beat David Goffin, so the first two were fine. Then it came to the football, Fortaleza and Kulaba, Stockport County and Grimsby Town, both finished in nil-all draws. It ain't good when you back them to win. Uh, so that was a loser today. Uh, let's uh, go just for three, just for three options uh, in the multi. Uh, Mexican football, something I know absolutely nothing about, which gives me a great chance of winning, actually. Fernados uh, to beat Simaroni de Sonora. Uh, that's uh, going around lunchtime today. That's uh, at $2.20. The Padres to beat the Diamondbacks again, $1.57. Uh, and in tennis, US Open tennis, Alex de Menor to beat Taylor Fritz at a buck sixty-three. Total return there, $5.63. So a handsome return, perhaps I should have talked to Dave Worsley before uh, getting a tennis bet as one of my options. Um, but uh, we'll be speaking to him after 11 o'clock anyway on the events of the last couple of days uh, at the US Open. Uh, what about Kyrgios uh, and his display, his tantrum? That was pretty predictable. Uh, Andy Murray's gutsy fight, which ended in a loss, but how often would he have played a number three seed in the first round of any major? Uh, he succumbed to Tsitsipas, the Greek wizard. It is 9.59, just coming up to 10 o'clock, and after 10, of course, we shall be talking to former All Black former Manu Samoa player, Frank Bunce. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. It's 10.03 here, morning to you, uh, it's... SENZ, you're listening through uh, the mornings with Ian Smith until uh, 12 o'clock, and then, of course, Mark Stafford takes through to uh, takes over to take us through the afternoon. Uh, the All Blacks will play their first afternoon test match against the Wallabies in Australia since uh, this Sunday, they will, at Optus Stadium. It's the first one, you know, for 25 years. Can you believe that? Uh, the last time a Bledisloe Cup game was played during the day was at 1996. That was in Suncorp Stadium. Remember this? This is good passing. What a tackle by on Lomu. What a cheer went up from the crowd. And look at this. A tremendous... That, he must be sent off. Braille must be sent off for that assault on Frank Bunce. He hit him with ten punches, and I didn't see what started it. Michael Braille, he's surely got to go. He must go, surely. Well, both sides are very fizzed up this afternoon. No need for that ref touch judge Ken McCartney who we saw a lot of last week on the field again but this time entirely justified what happened here from, from uh, Bunce it's the next part, Bunce number Take 30 took a man out so he was knocked over and then just there was just a fighting broke out a reversal of a penalty here, no need for that Michael Bryle, Frank Bunce was taken out of play absolute nonsense you must, rugby's an aggressive game but it's controlled aggression not silly stuff Yes, well, that happened to our All Black number 915, who played 55 test matches for New Zealand, four tests for uh, Western Samoa, it was at the time. Frank Bunce, good morning to you. The only reason I played that, Frank, is because I distinctly remember seeing you on a television show, oh, I'd say about uh, a year ago, um, when you'd just done that weight loss thing, getting fit and going back to play with all those other fatties that you played with in rugby. And they said, well, what about other sports? Should they try this? And you said, yeah, they should try it for cricket. And that fellow Ian Smith could do with losing some weight. So this is payback. Good morning to you. 
<laughs> Morning, Smithy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I remember that actually. I, that was that Mark Richardson who who uh, encouraged me. <laughs> hey, look, uh, Frank. Great to have you on the show. Um, uh, Mike, that Michael Pryor thing. Uh, I mean, people must ask you about it from time to time. Apparently, if you Google your name, it's the first thing that comes up. Um, uh, have you spoke? Have you ever spoken to him since, or anything like of that nature? Nah, not really. I, I met him. I met him a couple of times, but um, but uh, you know, and that was man, that was years ago. Um, but never never spoke about that incident at all. You know, it's just kind of just kind of pleasantries. You know, g'day, how's things going? Uh, I heard that he he um, he lived down. I don't, I'm not sure if he still does, but I heard he lived down Queenstown way. Now, so yeah, uh, married I, I a Kiwi son- girl, I think. And, yeah, yeah, son. I yeah. think his son plays in the same uh, university rugby team as uh, in Christchurch as Justin Marshall. So I've got a feeling you're right. I think oh. he does still live in, in the Queenstown area. But anyway, that's just we diversify here because uh, what I really wanted to talk to you about uh, is uh, the test match that's coming up without some key All Black players. This is going to test our depth a wee bit, isn't it? Because you can bet your bottom dollar, Dave Rennie, with all the toing and froing over where and when it was going to be played and if we were actually coming. <laughs> Uh, he was pretty angry about it, so I, I would imagine the squad as a whole will be ready. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say so. You know, he's um, he's a he's a canny, canny sort of uh, operator, old Renz. and um, you know he's he, one thing that he always does with with any team coaches. You know, he um, it, the real the, the team spirit. I think they they all they really buy into into um, you know what he's got and and what he's. Uh, um, what he's selling, you know, to them. So um, I think uh, I think they'll be more than ready. He's had a, a little bit of um, a bit of time in the, uh, in the in the media, and you know, said a few things. And uh, and you know, I think he's I, I think he's just you know setting setting the uh, the scene for uh, you know for what'll be a, a huge game, not only for them but uh, for us, because you know, as you say, we are missing a few people, and and it's the beginning of a. Um, of a you know of a pretty big journey for the for the team coming up. Yep, and uh, you know knowing the All Blacks, I mean that they've got the Bledisloe Cup, they've got their hands still on it, so there's no fear of losing it. But they they don't like I mean no one likes to lose Australia at the best of times, and they did lose to them in Perth last year, if we remember when Scott Barrett was sent off. If you're looking at selecting certain parts of this side, and you, I just wonder whether losing it, the experience of Aaron Smith and Richie Moinga at nine and ten. Would you start Webber? Would you start TJ Perinara? Um, <clears throat> boy, yeah, that's a pretty good question. Actually, it um, it does depend on on you know what you what you're really wanting. Eh? Um, I mean, they're both obviously TJ's um, a, a lot more experienced, um, you know, at this level than than Brad Webber. But in terms of uh, you know, in, in terms of um, actual ability, you know, the he. Um, Weber had a had a good uh, Super Rugby series. He's, he's been good, you know. Every time he gets out there, you know what you're going to get, and uh, you know he's um, he's a quality player. So you're not going to lose anything. Um, but if it's if it's just purely um, you know wanting wanting the experience and someone to be able to you know to to be able to run the show and and um, and settle things down and you know and guide, then uh, maybe you do go with Perinara. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, it's uh, it's quite a diff- difficult one. It depends what Fozzie is going to do, and and you know, do you play do you play two um, less experienced players, or do you put um, you know, do you do you have 
one not so much and, and one really experienced. It's a, yeah, the, the whole combination things, uh, you know, it's quite an interesting one to think about. Well, certainly Bowden will be at 10, but who's outside him is also an issue because oh, true, yeah. I, I'm not sure if it's, it's, if it's every year, Frank, but the, the centre pairings, I mean, since uh, obviously uh, Conrad Smith, Marnonu, who, who were ensconced in the roles, We've sort of been trying to find one. We're trying to find a pairing because you look at a pairing, you don't look, look at two individuals because they have to work so closely together, I've, I feel. How do you think we're developing in, the, in that particular area of the park? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it is a funny one. I mean, it's, um, we've had some, we've had some uh, Leonard Brown, you know, he's been there obviously for, uh, for a while and he's nice and settled, but... Um, you know, he was coming along nicely with, um, geez, I've bloody forgotten his name now. He's He's been out for a little while, good the boy you. from uh, Goodhue, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodhue. Yeah, good yeah. yeah. yep. Yeah, they, and they were coming along nicely, you know, and, and formed a, a nice little partnership. But, um, you know, with uh, with his injury, um, that's put pay to that. But we got some good, um, I, th- I think we've got some good quality there. There's definitely some good individuals. But as you say, finding that pairing, but the only way really you get a, you get a good pairing is by by settling on some you know on a couple of guys and letting them play, you know because you're you're not going to develop any combinations, um, you know otherwise you know the combinations that you really need and and you're right you know with um, with um, with Smith and, and Nonu and um, you know there's been a geez, there's been some great partnerships there but um, you know finding that uh, finding that combination is a difficult one but I, you know I, I'm 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 not really against you know getting getting two individuals and thinking um you know these guys are these guys are um are doing what we need as individuals now let's just play them play them together I don't know whether it's the day and age you know to be necessarily doing that yeah. they seem to you know seem to chop and change a little bit more than usual but um you know you just got to I think I think you got to Pick your two and then just give them time. So, so the role of, is always evolving of most rugby players uh, on the park, and you know, particularly at the breakdown and, and having to be uh, a much more an all-round strength in those particular areas. But if you look at the role of a midfield now, I and mean, quite clearly they have to be very strong defensively and, and, and very close together there, Frank. But uh, they've also got to be probably a kicking option in there. And, and if you look at what we've, we've done here of late, uh, you look at Braden Enoy, you look at Rico Ioane, wingers. You look at David Harvey, a lot of full, a lot of football at fullback. Which it's looked, it looks like we're trying to take them from outside and put them in with their skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, usually that uh, that would that used to happen uh, the other way around. I mean, because uh, you know, if you can, if you used to play midfield, you were you were asked to do a, a whole lot of different things. Kicking probably wasn't um, you know as important back then as it is is now, but um, people used to get you know used to sort of hone their skills in there, and then if needed, you could be pushed out and, and reasonably successfully. But um, yeah, as you say, it uh, they had they don't really have the the specialists anymore. Although um, <clears throat> I wonder even you know looking at the game now. The game is all over the field, you know. It's it's almost like a, dare I say it, it's almost like a rugby league setup, you know. And and you've got you've got guys, um, you know, the forwards just sort of they don't follow the ball, you know, all over the field, or you know, anymore. And and uh, guys just get up and, and run backwards in defence. So you're you're basically covering sort of, you know, one side of the field each ish. Um, 
So it's it's there's a time gone for specialists even now. You know you can you need you need your um your ability at set play and that, but the the game is so broken up now and and you know so much ball and in, in play all the time. Um, you know you got to be able to do everything and do it anywhere. So um, you know is the time for specialists in in some positions gone? It's possible. Yeah, it is uh, actually. Look, yesterday we spoke to. Uh, Sir Michael Jones, um, because the news came through, of course, that uh, it's been confirmed that, that uh, both uh, the Fijian Druha and uh, Moana Pacifica will be uh, lining up next year in Super Rugby. Um, so uh, are you a bit concerned? I mean, initially, you look at the, the experience that's built up within the five franchises within New Zealand as a, as a historical thing now over a period of time. Uh, they won't have that asset. Uh, they're going to have new, so they'll have that on, on their side, the element of surprise. But what about the ele- element of competitiveness, Frank? Uh, how competitive can they be this early? Uh, <clears throat> I, I think you've only got to look at, um, you know, when the Japanese came in and uh, and um, even the Argentinians, even though they had the benefit of pretty much being an international side. Um, you know, there's, there's so much more to this competition than than just playing the games you know you you kind of have to get your you know all, all all the um all the travel arrangements all the you know the the training the co- you know if there's so much to it now it's not just you know you front up and train a few times and then play and everything's good um so i, I don't I, I don't think i don't think they're going to be competitive in the first in the first couple of years um you know i don't think history's going to change too much um, it may come away with a, you know, obviously the quality of players will be there, um, but it's going to take time for them to all settle into, uh, you know, what what is it? You know, it's a pretty it's a pretty arduous sort of um, competition with, well, there won't be as quite as much travel, but um, um, you know, settling into, you know, into all your structure and everything, um, you know, it's going to it's going to take quite a lot, and uh, and I I think we're going to see them being that competitive. Uh, in the earlier days, but um, you know, as long as we persevere, it's you know, it's not one of those things that you want to have them in for a, a couple of years or two or three years and then say, oh, maybe this is not quite working. Let's let's change this to, and you know, let's change that. You got to, you know, I'm, I I want rugby to because we seem to be chopping and changing a whole lot. But you know, I want rugby to to just you know pick something and go with it and and let it develop into a. You know, look at the competitions. The NFL never changes. The NRL barely changes. The Premier League and you know, in uh, in soccer, you know, that barely changes. So you know, we got to we got to kind of find what we want and uh, and just stick with it and go. Frank, they've got to find someone to to uh, head them, someone to uh, to coach them. Uh, what kind of person would you expect they would have to have? Does it have to have uh, somebody? Uh, with island connections because of of the passion and you know uh, the the cultural background as such, or could they go right outside the loop and pre- just bring in some guy from maybe overseas, someone who is totally new to to the group? Would, would that work? Um, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think I don't think to start with um, that uh, they should go outside the group. I, th- I think. You know, in the early days, in the in the settling in period, and and getting it up and running, and you know, and gaining um, gaining a, a following and a, a real belief, you know, from the islands, 
uh, and your supporters. I think um, you know, I think it'll be helpful to have someone of uh, of you know Polynesian Pacific Island uh, background, but um, only only really in the only to get it up and running and you know and, and to, to settle it. So I, I don't see an issue with going outside the group. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I think it would be better in the early days to have someone from, uh, you know, from someone from their own sort of uh, uh, area, we should say. Frank, uh, here's a, here's an issue that I, I, I always sort of, I can't find an answer to it because it, it's not about me or, or my position in sport. But I'm a young kid growing up now. Um, now, if I've got no other option uh, but to play, and that's my best option to play for. Moana Pacifica, I clearly go there. If I've got an option, I'm a talented young man, uh, I've got the, possibly the Blues option, the Chiefs option, if I want to be around Auckland, at that kind of area. I'm a young guy going through developing. Do I take that or do I take Moana Pacifica? Because to me, that's one of the big issues in terms of the future, in terms of the development. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um... I think you. Um, I mean, because you've done both. You've I, I, done both. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and without the first one, without Samoa, you know, I, I probably would never had an, an all black option. So um, well, I definitely wouldn't have had an all black option. So you know, I, I, I think take the opportunity, take the whatever opportunity comes your way. Um, you know, obvi- obviously it's got to work for you in in terms of. Um, you know what you, you know the pathway that you've uh, you've laid out for yourself, um, but opportunities uh, you know they they don't pop up all the time. So um, so I think if you're a, if you're a young guy and you're looking to to play at the, the very highest level, then um, I think you take opportunities um, when they when they arise. Good on you, Frank. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, you're pleased to know I'm uh, on the cycle, on a bicycle, uh, most days after the show. So I'm making an effort. I'm making an effort, mate. And uh, if, I, if I look as good as you when I'm as old as you, I'll be happy. <laughs> Perfect. All good, Smitty. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, uh, Frank Bunce with us uh, there, folks. Uh, tremendous rugby player, of course, and wonderful bloke, actually. Terrific guy, uh, Frank, to be around and... Uh, just to chew the fat on a lot of subjects. Uh, he really is great company. So, uh, yeah, 10.19 here on SENZ. Uh, when we return, we shall have the panel. And this morning, very, very talented panel, Honey Harami Smiler and Andrew Gordy. of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy from uh, News Hub is uh, our guest this morning, along with uh, Honey Hiramy Smiler, who is uh, also, of course, of Sky Sport fame with her background knowledge of both uh, rugby uh, and rugby league and many other sports as well. And uh, the good news for you, Honey, is that you are now in level three. How good does that feel? My question and the most important, important question of the day to you is what will be your first fast fast food choice? There will be one, so what will it be? Well, I'm, I'm already in front of you on that one, Smithy. I've already been out to Macca's, got me a Macca's coffee <laughs> and, and, a, and a sneaky uh, Big Mac. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was one of that uh, 
one of that lot that jumped in. But the line wasn't too long, I must admit. I even made it to the recycling centre and got in that line nice and early. So I've been up and about from six. <laughs> oh boy, you're sharp. You are sharp, honey. Good to you. Good for you. <laughs> hey, look, uh, you might you might also have, uh, while you were waiting in uh, line there, you might have also um, given some thought to Sophie Pascoe. Now, uh, as a as a women's sportsman, um, most amazing thing anyway. You must be inspired by her. But you know, getting over what she's achieved now, ten gold medals, and and at the end of today, she possibly could have twenty Olympic medals by herself. Uh, look. What what does Sophie Pascoe, the name Sophie Pascoe, mean to you? Oh, look, I think she's an absolute superstar. And um, I, I met Sophie a few years ago, actually. She came and presented our uh, Black Fringe jerseys to us uh, before. I can't remember, we had a test match at Eden Park. I think we were playing the, the Australian team. And she gave this amazing speech just about um, about her work ethic and about her upbringing and and from that moment I was just so inspired and then she sort of developed into this amazing superstar and I just think she's so impressive and I know um, she probably copped a little bit of um, flack with uh, with the bronze but more so from her from her own perspective we you know we're the public here in New Zealand we're just blown away you know any medal at the Olympics is a huge achievement but for her to then go out and get that gold uh, last night, oh, fire out! What, what an impressive um, display uh, she put on last night. Gorgeous. Uh, I, I look at Sophie Pascoe, and I, I would have thought, you know, what more does she have to achieve? Uh, what more does she have to prove to us back here at home? But uh, her emotion says still a lot more uh, when she wins or loses. It, it, it just it seems to me the appetite is, is constantly there. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, honey. And can I just um, I'm really proud of you, honey, for, for showing some real leadership, I suppose, by hitting Maccas so early uh, into Level 3. I think that's a great example for all of us to follow, and I'm looking forward to uh, Auckland dropping down to Level 3 so we can do the same. Um, on Sophie Pascoe, though, I mean, Smithy, it's, um, it's only a matter of time until we're talking about Dame Sophie Pascoe, aren't we? I mean, she is, she is um, when you think Paralympics, she is, she's the person. It's as it's, it's simple as that. She is so by far and away um, the, the, the star, the, the, the name that you attach to the Paralympics, so she is synonymous with success in that event. And um, I think she has really been an inspiration for, for so many people, not, not just in the, in the disabled community, but, but for all New Zealanders. Um, she's been uh, just an, an incredible, incredible person, an incredible athlete. And, and I suppose that's the point that I wanted to touch on is that I think these Paralympic Games, we've seen something different from Sophie Pascoe. Like, normally, like, she's just been a, a bit of a machine, to be perfectly honest. Like, just her, the way she goes about her business, um, she's been the ultimate professional, which is not to say that she hasn't been professional at these games, and that's not what I'm getting at. Point is, I think we've learned more about Sophie Pascoe, the person, at these Paralympic Games. Like, the last um, 12, to 12, 18, 24 months has been really challenging for for everyone in this world, right? But I, I think she's actually shown a vulnerability. Um, we've seen that for the first time, I think, ever. I mean, um, the, the emotion that we're seeing from her, and, and she's been willing to open up and, and, and tell us how difficult it's been for her. And, and I suppose um, these, these Paralympic Games and the success she's had, even though she hasn't had the, the run of gold medals, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked for her that she got a gold medal um, uh, in the pool just in the last 24 hours. But you saw the emotion that came from her after winning a silver medal. And, and I think, what did, she, what did she say? It was the first time she stood on a, on a podium and never felt happy. I mean, 
what does that tell you? I think she's coming to a point in her career where she's she's viewing her success and everything that she's experienced through a different lens. And yeah, it's it's really admirable. And I'm I'm loving seeing that part of it. Look, uh, we're going to go to the news, uh, Gords and Honey. Please please stay with us because after the after the news break, short break. Uh, yeah, Moana Pacifica, Fiji and Drua are in the competition. That's been confirmed. Uh, I'm going to ask you one, how do you think they'll go, how hard it's going to be initially, and who should coach them? Come up with a couple of names uh, very shortly. First of all, though, Trudy with the 10.30 News. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Honey, Hannah, me smiler, and... Uh, Andrew Gordy with us this morning. Honey, I'll come to you uh, on the Moana Pacifica announcement. We had Sir Michael Jones on yesterday. Plenty of passion in his voice about uh, the realisation of uh, it finally coming to pass. What's your take on it? And who do you think perhaps should coach uh, their side first up? Yeah, I mean, it's hugely exciting for, for both uh, Moana Pacifica and, and the Fiji and Drua, you know, for for these teams to come into this competition you know, it's it's for me. It's sort of a it's about time kind of situation. You know, we we've constantly pulled from those those uh, descendant of players for years and years to come, and now they actually get to develop it back in the islands. Uh, so for me, it's huge um, in terms of coaching. You know, I think they've got it right with the likes of Aaron Major, uh, Philo Tiatia in there as well. Um, you know, a lot of people probably don't realise that Aaron is actually of Samoan and Cook Island descent. So in terms of culture, and you're really going to have to tune into that culture when it comes to the Pacifica team because that'll be a huge drive for this team in terms of how they play their play their rugby. Um, so that balance between Aaron and, and Philo, I think, is going to be quite vital. But, yeah, hugely exciting um, to see how they go, especially in, in the first round when they get to play every team and they'll sort of get a gauge of where they sit in those competitions, and that's both for Moana Pacifica and, and Fiji, Fijiana Drua. Good, you're going to have to follow this very close. You might even go to the press conference next week. Uh, Michael Jones was talking about the fact they're going to make some major announcements there, uh, particularly on where they're going to base themselves uh, and who will be their coach. I think we're going to get that as early as next week. What are you expecting? Well, yeah, certainly uh, from, from... You don't have to read the tea leaves too, too deeply, I suppose, to, to see that our Major's almost certainly going to be the coach. Um, this seems to be widely reported, so I've got no reason to doubt it. Um, and look, I can understand why they're doing that. I mean, this is a new franchise. This has probably been my main concern about, about a new franchise coming into the competition. Um, we've talked for so long about it, and, and, and Honey quite rightly points out, this is long overdue, having a, a Pacific presence in Super Rugby. But this, this team needs to be supported, in, or this franchise needs to be supported in every way possible to ensure they are successful on the field, off the field, all of it. Aaron Mage is a, a, smart, a smart hire, I think, because he has super rugby experience. Um, so he'll know about the levels required. And he's played in the competition, he's coached in the competition. Um, and I, and I want to see the right names also put around him. But we have to make sure that this is a, a properly Pacific team that represents the Pacific Island nations. And that's not to say, like, like quite rightly point out, Aaron Major has has the, uh, the heritage, I suppose, um, to be to be filling that role. But yeah, I, I heard obviously Rob Nickel talking about how there's potentially going to be three All Blacks in the squad. I hope that's a that's an early measure to support this franchise coming through. But I think maybe that that shouldn't be something that's in place 
um, forevermore. I, I'd like to see that maybe for the first five years, five seasons or something, and then and then remove that. We want we want to give the Pacific uh, franchise the support it needs, but ultimately it's going to need to stand on its own two, two feet and properly represent um, Pacific Island nations. I think. So out of Mount Smart for you, Gords. Yeah, it probably makes sense, doesn't it? Um, I, I can't think of anywhere else that would be appropriate unless there was some kind of share arrangement around Eden Park. Is that, is that beyond the realms of possibility that we that we could have a share arrangement at Eden Park? But I suppose it's an accessibility thing to the community, and it's you know ultimately Moana Pacifica, uh, their their fan base is predominantly going to be in South Auckland, so it probably does make sense to have it at, at Mount Smart Stadium. Yeah, it does. I suppose Pukekohe is, uh, is another option. Um, honey, I, I guess they could look at uh, maybe floating the game around Auckland a wee bit uh, whilst they look to, to get cemented in the role. Um, uh, on another subject, uh, the women's NRL has been knocked on the head. It's been canned for this time around. Honey, what are, what are your thoughts about that? Is it another case of, um, look, uh, the men's are strong and what have you, and we'll just put... The, the women's game, you know, uh, or just park it on the bench for a season. What, what do you feel about that? Yeah, probably huge, huge disappointment in, in NRL making that call. Um, you know, they sort of had come out early and announced the six teams, so the expansion of the competition and and the contracts and all of that had sort of increased and the, and the player pool had increased in terms of the marquee and the free agent players. So it looked, you know, really well structured. And then they sort of... You know, with COVID happening over there and, and the restrictions, and they sort of said, "Oh, well, we're going to run it as a standalone." And now they've just completely sacked it um, and, and wiped it out for the year. So it's hugely disappointing because, you know, we've got players that have had already shifted over. So now they're stuck in New South Wales. We've got about five or six Kiwi ferns sitting in Sydney with with nowhere to go, and they can't get home now that they've they've axed the NRLW. Um, but also, you know, women's we, we're still everyone's still trying to prepare for the Rugby League World Cup. Cup, which has now been announced for October next year, and without this competition, it just makes everything so much harder in terms of preparation for that for that World Cup. Um, so for me, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty disappointing in terms of the NRLW. They've done everything possible to keep the men's competition going, but you know, within a whim, they just they they axe the women's competition, and and um, you know, and at the same time, almost came the announcement of obviously the rugby championship moving to Queensland. So to me, it was like, oh well, now we're going to put rugby in at Queensland the rugby championship and then pull out the NRLW because the venues that are being used were the same. So now it's like, oh no, mm. the, the rugby championship takes uh, preference. So yeah, hugely disappointing, really concerning that a lot of our Kiwi Fern girls are currently stuck in New South Wales without sort of any indication of when they can get home. There's really limited sport and uh, support in terms of the, getting them MIQ places um, so that they can get home to their families. Um, yeah, so... For me, I'm pretty gutted for everyone involved, I think. Good. It's a, it's a bit of an irony about the sport this weekend, in particular golf. Uh, a lot of uh, what um, you know, you, you speculate uh, Moana Pacifica, Fiji Drua are going to need is, is that they're going to have to have a lot of budget, they're going to have a lot of money to set up. And then all of a sudden you look at the PGA this weekend and whoever wins the FedEx Cup uh, makes 15 mil. Is there, is, there an, is, there, is there a word I'm looking for, ironic here, or slightly obscene? Yeah, it is, it's obscene money, isn't it? It really is. Um, yeah, geez, uh, uh, 15 million. It's, it's sort of uh, sort of money that um, you can only dream about, really, isn't it? But, um, 
Yeah, geez, it's just one of those things. Really, fifteen million, Smitty, that's an awful lot of money. That's an awful lot. That's that's who needs that kind of money, to be perfectly honest. And and based and on and on one riding on one tournament, it's just yeah, it's outrageous, isn't it? But um yeah, it just shows the power, I suppose, of the sport that they can attract that that level of um sponsorship, I suppose. I mean, yeah, you New Zealand rugby would probably love to have a sponsor like FedEx on board, wouldn't they? But um look they've done pretty well out of their sponsorship deals, um uh, in the last couple of weeks, I suppose, um, with Ineos and, and now Altrad coming on board, so um, which is an interesting development in itself, I suppose. You know, um, a lot of the, you know, New Zealand rugby crying poor and needing Silver Lake to come on board. Well, you know, maybe maybe they don't need them after all. Yeah, maybe they don't. Uh, interested to see, uh, you know, giving fifteen million, as you say, gourds to people that really don't need fifteen million. <laughs> Uh, it is uh, slightly obscene, and then, and I love golf. I really love golf, and and I love their skills. But uh, really, fifteen million bucks to the winner, uh, honey. Thank you very much for your time this morning, Andrew Gordy as well. Uh, yeah, always uh, great contributors to the panel. We'll have another one tomorrow morning. Um, also uh, coming up, uh, we've got uh, Louis Herman Watt, of course, uh, and we'll visit the TAB with options for today. Um, but uh, I want to hear from you guys. Uh, there's been some good texts coming in. Uh, in terms of Sophie Pascoe, uh, she certainly inspires all of us by the look of it. Here's, uh, here's one just to wet the whistle before we go. Uh, morning, Smithy. My pick would be Razor Robertson. Razor Robertson to take on uh, Moana Pacifica. How cool would that be? That's that's an idea out of left field, big time. Test your test the waters on that one, Ray, uh, Razor. See if you can um, make uh, go from the Crusaders down there, uh, go to Mount Smart and turn Moana Pacifica into a successful franchise from the get-go. Your text and then those uh, boys prior to uh, 11 o'clock from the TAB uh, and Louis Herman Watt. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.46 here uh, on SENZ in the mornings. And Brian from Hastings has called in. Good morning to you, Brian. It started a great day. It's a bit overcast now as I look out the window. Yeah, it's a little bit brighter though, isn't it, Smithy? But it's not cold now either, I don't think. Not as cold as it was. But no. Anyway. Sophie Pascoe? Sophie, mate? What? Yeah, Sophie, eh? Yeah, good. I, I, I t- I, Sophie Pascoe, but I just want to touch on Frank Bunks for a second. Um, I'm pretty sure he's yeah. mentioned on an interview earlier on, on this channel that he actually elbowed Michael Bryle, which initiated the... He's admitted to that, to elbowing him, to, which initiated the fight. But um, <laughs> clearly, he's not willing to admit it too often. But, no, he, um, but, but was, Sophie Pascoe, I think, is um, she's clearly been struggling with um, with her, her preparation and all those sorts of things. And I and I and clearly, she's perhaps coming to the end of her career and 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 is under a lot of pressure to perform. You know, we just expect goals. We expect goals. We expect goals. But. Um, but at the end of the day, she's been a champion, and I don't believe that she should be. There should be too much, um, you know, um, I don't know. I wouldn't say bad press, but you know, we, we, should, we should just sort of give up on our expectations a little bit on her. Um, and the other thing, I was pleased to hear you're on the bike, Smitty, because um, I um, t- uh, you probably don't know, you possibly do know. This this month is. Um, is Prostate Awareness Week for um, for men, and a couple of months ago we had Men's Health Week, um, and I just think it's um, an opportune time with everything going on that most of the blokes, most people that listen to this channel are blokes, and I think 
Um, we could all do ourselves, our family, our friends, um, our partners, and everybody else a huge favour and go and get our shit checked out um, one way or the other. It, it's kind of related to mental health that um, we could all do ourselves a huge favour and everyone else around us just by doing what's right. I think you're spot on there, uh, Brian. In fact, I've got a blood test booked for next week, so there you go. And uh, certainly I do that on a regular basis because it scares the living pro prospect out of me, um, you know, the, the fact that uh, you know I could be afflicted with it with uh, so many men who have had it um, but haven't uh, bothered to have it checked out until it's uh, almost too late. Of course, uh, you know, if you get it early, um, they can fix it for you uh, and your options um, and your chances are a good deal better. So, uh, yeah, on a slightly brighter note, uh, Brian, thanks for your call anyway. Uh, morning, Smithy. Wow, Sophie Pascoe, gold medal, so happy for her. She is a New Zealand legend. They all are. Watching the Paralympics really does make you appreciate how lucky we are. It's been mind-blowing what they are achieving. Us able people shouldn't be complaining about anything. No, we shouldn't. Uh, they're all legends. Um, yeah, what a great country. New Zealand should be proud. Very, very proud. Happy days. Cheers. Kerry for that. Uh, size Smithy, 15 million, a lot of dough, but remember the golfers are up against all other American sports and the huge dollars that they earn. Uh, could uh, Tony Finau play gridiron, basketball? Hell yes, he perhaps could have. Cheers, Pat. Uh, thanks for that call. Uh, morning, Smithy. Yeah, uh, I preempted this text by saying, what about uh, Razor Robertson? Proven as a top coach, a uh, professional fun culture that would suit Pacific rugby. He certainly looks to put the, the light uh, side of things on his coaching. Running an expansive and expressive footy franchise, well, he's good at that. It'd be a nice challenge for Razor. He's probably looking for one at the moment, does he? Uh, although uh, he will say that uh, coaching the Crusaders every year is a challenge in itself, uh, but it also keeps Razor in the Southern Hemisphere. So you've obviously thought uh, quite seriously about it. I'm not sure that Razor has. And I'm not sure, actually, that um, I've read conflicting stories about Aaron Major as well, uh, whether he actually is fully, fully committed to to taking on the gig. Some say yes, some say uh, perhaps no. I, I mooted maybe Tana Umanga this morning. Is, he, is there another reason why Tana all of a sudden mysteriously just stepped away from the blues? We'll never, well, maybe we will know. Maybe we'll know next week when uh, Michael Jones and co come up uh, with their decisions. 10.51 here on SENZ. Louis Herman Watt in the TAB shortly. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Well, Louis joins us as usual at this time. Um, good news is, Louis, great news, in fact. Uh, we've got racing in New Zealand today, but bad news for Opie Boston because they've gone and changed the boundaries on him and now, of course, he's because of where he lives, uh, he's slightly north of the boundaries, which means he's level four and can't ride, with a big book of rides coming up this weekend as well. Interesting, Smithy. You've broken a bit of news to me now. That that would make sense because he's so he's uh, he's got a property out kind of towards uh, Hampton Downs there, a farm, three hundred and fifty acres that he's farming sheep and beef on, and you can kind of it's almost where Hallmark stutters. If you look, um, yeah. I don't know, giveaway as a director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah. So, 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 does that mean he can't get across the border for the weekend? That's correct. 
he can't at this at this point of time he cannot leave the bounds of level four where he is in. Lee Thinnis is in the same bracket. There's uh, one or two other jockeys. Oh, uh, I think no. Andrew Calder is in that bracket as well. But they cannot get down to Waikato because they are locked into a level four thing. Now, my understanding is that Opie might be trying to get some kind of dispensation. But uh, as far as uh, dispensations go, uh, they're like hen's teeth. There are not many around. No. So it might be tough work. Uh, for Opie. Yeah, yeah, dearie me. Well, he's got a great book of rides, Palamos, um, who have Avantage if he can get there. Otherwise, I suppose Danielle Johnson will take the, the Tiakau first, um, all, all of their plum rides. Hey, this racing today at Matter Matter Smith, there's a couple of interesting ones. Mm-hmm. Rose, Crenet, Rose Crescent for the Kelsos on its home on its home track. Um, it's in short now, $2.30. And I was interested to see how a horse called Platform was going to go. Aaron, Aaron Layton, this is in race nine for Wexford Stables, but Andrew Scott came on the show this morning and he didn't give a push for it. He actually thought Perfectionist was a better chance, so the $2.70, wow, that's looking pretty skinny for a horse that the trainer hasn't given a spruik. So there's lots of racing, Ash Burden, Matter Matter, of course in Australia, tomorrow Cambridge, and then uh, we've got Harwood a Friday before Tarapa and Wanganui on Saturday. So it's all go, thoroughbreds to the fore. And the other news coming across uh, from the uh, Tasman, of course, the, the chosen one resuming this weekend in the Lions Roar. But big news for Probable fans that uh, Damien Lane will not be riding now for the rest of the campaign. In fact, they've engaged Brett Preble because at least he can commit. Yeah, Preble's on the comeback campaign. He's riding really well. Damien Lane's taking very elegant in the Cox Plate. So that's probably why, which would suggest maybe Probable, maybe they want to have another go at the Cox Plate. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. I went into it confident. Um, Matt and I came up with a race plan. I know Matt was talking to Rolly back at home um, and we went through it. And the race plan was just to really keep that kick compact and pick up that stroke rate in that last 10 and it was going to come down to that last 10. As you've seen, that's where um, my drop-off has been and, and my training has proved, obviously, um, where that last 10 has been a real struggle. And But I'm, I've come into this meet the best shape um, physically and mentally as much as I can um, to be standing behind these blocks. So... If you know we were to go back another year, uh, back a year, and it was still going ahead, a very different story. But right now, it's not about that. It's about the here and now, and just making it, and knowing that I wanted to podium for each event. Uh, this one year, just obviously, is very special in terms of just touching that world. I didn't even know where I was. It was just focusing on the black line, and then when I looked up, it was just pure amaze. I actually couldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just genuinely so happy. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of myself from where I've come from over this past year and a half. Um, my closest support team knows where I've been and and how much it's taken to get to, to be here, even standing here, and that was an achievement in itself. So um, just to come away with a gold, really special. I'm really proud and I'm a proud Kiwi and I was just so proud standing up there tonight knowing that, you know, so many people have been part of this. 
Well, it's been such a, an emotional roller coaster, roller coaster there for Sophie Pascoe. I think you can hear it uh, and the way it fluctuated throughout that very brief uh, chat there for it lasts about a minute, minute 40 seconds. I think it summed up the whole deal, really. She's collected a, a silver in the 100 metres breaststroke uh, and then a bronze in the 100 metre backstroke. And last night, of course, it was her 10th, 10th, yes, 10th career gold medal in the 100 metre freestyle. And watching it frustratingly, I'm sure, uh, to a large degree back home, uh, is her coach uh, Rolly Crichton of course uh, we spoke to Rolly uh, after the initial race uh, where she picked up the silver medal of course uh, it's been a bit down during that time we've seen those emotions um, on the television screen but Rolly uh, good morning to you you've been experiencing them over the phone of course I guess uh, uh, also uh, in some sort of zoom or podcast form as well uh, just how frustrating one has that been and two how rewarding last night for you yeah, good morning from the hospital bed in Christchurch. Um, yeah, yeah la- last night was huge. Um, frustrating, no. Uh, frustrating to know that what Soap's been through and uh, expectations from others, um, maybe, and just to get there and just compete. But what we have seen is she's got faster, she's got more tuned into the job as the days have gone by over there. So those words of advice that she mentioned from you, uh, can you just elaborate a little bit more on that um, uh, in terms of what you saw and what she needed to do, particularly towards the end of her races? Yep. And in, in, uh, when, you, when you're coaching somebody like so or at that, that um, cutting-edge level, which is the Paralympics in this case, there's only wee things you need to say. The small little things, and a lot of, not a lot of them. Otherwise, you're, you're just talking. Like last night was the turn at the other end, which was just world class. And when she got to about 12 to 10 metres, the shortness stroke to be able to keep that propulsion going into the wall. And my last text to her on the bus, before the warm-up was the wall. The wall meaning that's the target, that's your ultimate focus, don't worry about uh, what's in the lanes either side. Is that is that what you're meaning by that for us lay people? Uh, not so much for lay people, but, you know, people like Lisa Carrington and that will know. Um, it's about the finish at the um, Olympics. It's about getting there first. It's not about world records and stuff like that. Rolly, how hard was it, you know, when we, we looked at Sophie and, and she looked, oh, I want to say distraught, but she looked really, really um, upset, perhaps disappointed in herself um, uh, after the bronze medal event the other night. How, how tough sure. were, were you going through that, knowing her so well? Yeah, I was a bit pissed off and um, I was on the phone to the television the next morning because... I don't like seeing her like that or being filmed like that. You know, she was devastated. Um, Not just, you know, she thought she'd let people down and stuff like that. And it it was hard to see that. And it was great to see that last night. So uh, have you spoken to her uh, after, since last night? Have you spoken uh, to her about the, that, uh, that performance last night? Yes, I shared it. Um, she was on, um, she had the screen going. She was in the cold tub 
and there was a whole cluster of um, athletes from around the world who she'd raced against and been racing. They all know me. I've been around for 100 years, and they're all there to say hi, and and Soph was there just with the joy, and it was, it was beautiful. Uh, uh, look, the other thing uh, about Sophie is that, you know, she's so versatile, it's not finished. So uh, today, uh, coming down from that high, back on those focuses you've talked about, is the 200-metre individual medley. Uh, tell us uh, your expectations uh, for, for her in that event. For a start, when you're somebody like Soph, and she's well-tuned to it, and others are learning the trade, last night will have been done. She will have gone back, she will have loosened down, she will have gone back to the food hall, she would have filled the tank and maybe got to bed about one o'clock, possibly drug testing, stuff like that, and then to bed. So her, the key thing this morning is a light warm-up, um, just, just to get the body back into tune and a very controlled this morning in the 200 IM, a very controlled heat without uh, knocking herself around too much. So probably expecting between a 234, 235, and you can correct me on that, but it'll be pretty close to that, which will put her up now probably in the top three again, which what you're doing there, very experienced people are choosing the lanes they want to swim in at night. Inexperienced people are swimming for their life. To, just to make the final. Okay, so can we just go a little bit deeper into that? When you say swimming the lane, do you mean swimming in terms of positioning you, yourself against your major threats or just a preference yep. to where you want to be actually physically in the pool? Yeah, there's lanes there when you're doing backstroke, you can actually go straighter and you can guide yourself better and you, you control the opposition. So that's what you're doing. You're positioning yourself um, for that at night, that that's a, a huge part of it. And then Soap will go through a warm down, and she'll have her big sleep. And um, just after lunch, that'll be that. That's a monster. That's a game changer. Well, she's owned this event. I mean, this is one of her absolute prime blue ribbon events. So, uh, I guess expectations uh -huh. uh, from again the enemy that is the media will be high. Uh, what are your expectations here personally, Rolly, having seen last night? Well, we've all seen. We've seen uh, three strokes, haven't we? We've seen the breaststroke, we've seen the backstroke, mm -hmm. and we've seen the freestyle. Now, she's meddled in all three, and we've got the fly tomorrow, which she's not bad at. So you put the four of them together, there's not too many people who can swim four strokes and uh, be top three in the world. So you put that together, you've got a uh, pretty good mixture. You certainly have. So uh, you've touched on tomorrow. That's great. So uh, it's far from over in that regard. What about the overall swim team? Uh, how impressed have you been with the overall team? I know you're, you're individual focus, but you, you must be keeping an eye on the others. It's, it appears to be quite a strong program. Yeah, it is. Um, it was great to see Toops the other night. That, that was outstanding. And... That type of thing doesn't come out just on the night. That has been a progress all year. Her and a coach, Sheldon, will have... Uh, um, she's changed. She's grown up. She's matured as a person. So that, that's a life changer. Well, we, we spent so much time talking about Sophie Pascoe. We've got to focus a little bit on Rolly Crichton. As you say, you're from the hospital bed. 
what's your progress and what, what's the prognosis on, on when you can get out and about? Well, I'm pretty lazy. I'm burnt out, so I've had six weeks in the bed. <laughs> no, um, I'd love to be out and I'd love to be in Tokyo, but I um, um, had good news this morning. Um, I've had two operations, and so I've got a, a wound which is healing, and it is healing. I've had the specialist in this morning, and I got great news. So with a gold medal last night and that news, I'm pretty happy. Good on you, Rolly. We're very happy for you. Uh, we're very happy for Sophie, as you would uh, would well know. Um, regardless cool. of the horrible media, we're so supportive of her as well, and <laughs> and the fact that um, you know, and we're supportive of the job that you're doing. So, uh, in your particular case, get well soon, um, and uh, you know, we'll watch we'll watch your good work in the pool uh, later on today, eh? Yeah, and the part of that with the media is um, you're only protecting your athlete and. Uh, so that, that's part of your job. <laughs> and you're doing a great, great job at it. I'm sure she appreciates it. Thanks again, Rolly, for your time. Been great. Okay, that was uh, Rolly Crichton there from his hospital bed uh, in Christchurch. Can you imagine that? The hottest property in Paralympics going around, to be fair, the hottest property in Paralympics being coached from a hospital bed in Christchurch. What kind of story is that, John? Um, you know, and the other thing, of course, is uh, William Steadman. Uh, we, we've hardly mentioned William today. Uh, the fact that uh, he got uh, out of the long jump pint and uh, away he went again, just like that. Yeah, amazing story, him as well. And awesome to hear that news about Rowley as well. A couple of successful operations and a gold medal will do wonders for your health. So awesome to hear that Rowley's on the improve. But William Steadman, yeah, 16 hours uh, after he came second in the long jump. He had four hours sleep, sleep smithy. You could barely sleep. I guess after you win a medal, you get drug tested and everything, and then all your you know your emotions, you're really high, and you're highly strung. So four hours sleep. Then he gets into the 400 metres, and I did watch that race, and he got out of the blocks really slowly. He was second to last uh, halfway through, through the first 200 metres, and then down the home straight, just found some energy from somewhere. I don't know where and just absolutely blitzed the guy who was coming third, who was about 10 metres in front of him, and got himself a bronze medal. So within 16 hours, silver in long jump, and bronze in the 400 metres on four hours sleep. So William Steadman, 21 years old, he is definitely one to look out for in the future. He could be the next Sophie Pascoe getting 20 medals, Smithy. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to his progress. I look forward to uh, to chatting to Dave Worsley, because the tennis is starting to hot up. We're... uh, Getting uh, past the early stages, Novak, Novak uh, Djokovic is uh, about to, to play. Uh, I've got some interesting stats to discuss with uh, Dave Worsley about that very shortly here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it's 11.20 here on SENZ, uh, joined now by... Tennis aficionado, uh, he knows uh, pretty much everything there is to know about uh, the P- uh, Professional Tennis Association circuit um, and the WTA for that matter as well. Dave Worsley, good morning to you Dave, a, a member of the SENZ family. I'm just looking at this uh, fellow here, I've just Googled him actually because I didn't know his name. Holger Vitus Notzka Rune, he's from Denmark, he's 18 years of age, he's won 144000 in prize money. And he's up against a fellow by the name of Djokovic, who's won $151,870,635. Who's favourite? 
<laughs> yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? I mean, you've got the former world number one junior. He's still only 18. That is Run. Uh, I didn't go for the full name there because it's an uh, amalgamation of both his mother and father. But he was the former world number one junior. He was a French Open junior uh, winner. He's a fairly decent player and will be a fairly decent player. But, you know, hey, <laughs> it's going to be so tough. He's already won uh, through qualifying. So he's won three matches already at the US Open, but none of them have been on Arthur Ashe Stadium at a night match against someone like Djokovic. And the comparison there from the outside courts to Arthur Ashe is, well, there is no comparison. Well, sometimes, Dave, in these uh, majors, you, you get the ultimate battle. Some of the great battles are in the early rounds. And we saw one yesterday with Andy Murray on the comeback trail against uh, the Greek uh, wizard and Tsitsipas, uh, who, of course... Um, has been in the headlines for a, a couple of reasons, but as a fine player in his own right, how often in the past would Andy Murray have played, uh, you know, a number three seed in round one? What an epic match. And it showed that Andy Murray is just back being Andy Murray. Exactly. Andy Murray is always going to play uh, long matches. He's not the short match kind of guy. It was always on the cards, though, that he'd go to four or five sets and then sit to pass the third seed, uh, he's already been runner-up at um, a Grand Slam before, uh, or is certainly close to it. You know, he's such a good, talented player, but he's so fit on the court. Andy Murray is incredibly fit, but he's 34 years old and has a metal hip. Well, uh, in, in terms of... Uh, I hope Dave, is Dave still there? We still got him? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still Sorry, here. Dave. Uh, I thought we'd I, I thought we'd lost contact with you. Uh, look, um, I, I've been waxing over the last two or three weeks about the quarter family because of the fact that you know they're so really, really good in sport and they're probably the high, most high-profile sporting family in the world. But it all came to a crashing halt this morning. Uh, Sebastian Quarter uh, lost in a walkover due to injury. Did, have we got any update on that? Yeah, Sebastian's a decent player too. I mean, when you consider the uh, two daughters being fairly decent in uh, golf, but, uh, you yeah, know, I'm just uh, actually looking up on that one because I noticed that he'd lost. I thought, ah, oh, okay, well, it was a winnable, losable sort of match. Uh, yeah, he's uh, just um, such a, a talented family, as you said. I mean, uh, father, Peter Corder, was the Australian Open champ in 1998. Mother was a top 100 player as well. Uh, nothing more on Sib uh, just yet, um, he retired uh, after the first one. They were not sure of that one. We'll have to check that out to uh, Belashvili from Georgia. Uh, so, yeah, no, uh, lost the first set and then was down by a break in the second and then uh, pulled out there. I believe it was a leg injury so far, but don't have the full word on that just yet. Nick Kyrgios, was Nick Kyrgios again, uh, post-match in particular? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the thing is, it, it's, it's like a car crash in uh, motor racing. We almost want it to happen. If he had have said absolutely nothing, fine. I mean, he lost in straight sets to uh, Batista Agu from Spain, who's been a top 10 player. If you wanted a foil for Kyrgios, then you got it in um, Batista Agu. You've got the energy and the enthusiasm at times and all the skills of Kyrgios against basically playing against the brick wall. And that's a Batista Agu, who was just never going to give anything in the sense of no emotion, no mistakes, no nothing. So Kyrgios was always going to struggle with that. Um, yeah, there's one headline out of Australia, that potty mouth Kyrgios. Basically, the newspaper that wrote that was effectively uh, of a particular brand of newspapers that wants to take Kyrgios down as much as possible. I mean, the guy lost, so what? He said a few words um, afterwards. 
Did he really harm anybody? No. But he's still one of the most popular people for the crowds to go and watch. You know, you try and get near his court, it's near impossible. So he's still one of the most popular people, but people go for perhaps the car crashes more than anything else. Okay, let's uh, look at uh, the women's side of things. Uh, Naomi Osaka and, and Ash Barty in, in particular. Yeah, well, I mean, Ash Barty won this morning against uh, Vera Von Raver, who must be mid-30s mid or something like that. She's, uh, what, a former number two in the world. Uh, what is she, 37? Okay, well, she's getting on a little bit as well, but uh, it was Ash Barty coming through in straight games there. So that's at the top of the draw. And Ash Barty, she's never really done that well at the US Open. In fact, I don't think she's made the second week for her singles. She's won the doubles, but uh, not the singles. And, of course, Naomi Osaka in the bottom half of the draw. Uh, she had a little bit of a battle for a while against uh, her opponent yesterday. But, yeah, she's she's looking in pretty decent form. Just uh, Sometimes it just takes a, a match or two to warm up. That was certainly what used to happen to uh, the Williams sisters. You could almost beat them in the first couple of matches. Uh, but once they started getting going, uh, when they're in form, it was real form. So Osaka through to uh, the next round. She'll play against the Serbian player. And I think she's first up on court tomorrow. In fact, looking tomorrow at the schedule, there's one Kiwi involved, but uh, that's Marcus Daniel. He's actually playing in the mixed doubles tomorrow. They haven't actually got their doubles on court yet. Uh, so uh, at least the Kiwis get underway and uh, start their campaign. And uh, Smithy, just to remind you that if you lose in the first round of the men's or women's singles, you get 75000 US dollars. If uh, you lose in the first round of the doubles, well, it's 20,000 US split, so you get 10,000 US dollars. And those prize, that prize money has been, well, pulled down a little bit from uh, the past couple of years. Why has it been pulled down? Is that because of uh, the costs and, yeah. um, and COVID? Um, is that a victim yeah, a little of, bit of and COVID? Or is, yeah. yeah, it is. It is a victim of COVID as such. But, I mean, hey, it's still not too bad. 75K US for losing first round. You do get a per diem uh, as well to go towards your hotel costs. At the Grand Slams, your hotels aren't paid for. Like if you came to the ASB Classic, you get your hotel paid for um, before and uh, a day or two after you actually compete in the tournament. Whereas at the Grand Slams, you don't get necessarily your hotels paid for, but you do get a fairly decent per diem. I remember one Kiwi player... Um, actually staying at a friend's place at a Grand Slam uh, city and keeping the third deal and doing quite well out of it. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. And uh, look, one of the other things I wanted to, to talk to you about uh, in particular was press conferences and where Naomi Osaka usually becomes a, a little bit more vulnerable. Is there an obligation that they have to turn up? Is it, is it a part of a contract? Can they be more protected there? The media conferences of Grand Slams are yeah. a $10,000 US fine if you don't turn up. Uh, they can be looked after. Some people do it more than others. Uh, so like at the US uh, Open, the USTA have a particular couple of, uh, of uh, their staff there who have been doing it for years. And they're quite, at times they can be quite strict on what's asked. At some of the other Grand Slams, it's, it feels a little bit looser. So they do uh, quite often like uh, have people helping at the, usually at the Aussie Open, one of the ATP officials comes in as well uh, and actually almost regulates some of the questions. It says, OK, next question, you. No, 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 let's move on, you first. Sometimes some of the players know the media and they will go, no, no, um, hey, I can see you over there. Uh, yeah, sure, go ahead. 
it depends on the confidence of the players. But you know, it comes down to a bit of regulation from those officials, from the USTA or from the ATP or WTA, who says, no, no, we've had the question from you. That's enough. Let's move on to more tennis questions rather than questions about Zverev's uh, off-court issues that he's got in court at the moment with his ex-girlfriend or um, you know, some of the other things about uh, COVID and things like that. Because at the moment, those are the big issues around the US Open. Uh, you know, are you vaccinated, not vaccinated? Or Alexander Zverev uh, being taken to court by his ex-girlfriend after a uh, assault and battery. So yeah, there's a lot going on off the court as well. There is, Dave. And for that reason, that's why we want you... Uh, back on the show, and uh, if not daily, at least every couple of days with updates. That's uh, Dave Worsley, who uh, invaluable, actually, those uh, two New Zealand players, uh, by my reckoning, uh, in the first round of the men's doubles uh, in action tomorrow. We'll have details of that. Uh, in the meantime, though, uh, as we get ready for the news at 11.30, yeah, it's that time. Stump Smithy, uh, your opportunity to uh, light up the line, see if you can beat Reed from Gore to call in first. That would be interesting if you can, because he is hot. He is hot at getting him. He's there already. Unbelievable. Uh, Reed from Gore is there. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> they must have a quicker phone line down there, all the way to Gore. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's 11.30 here on SENZ. Uh, yeah, Stump Smithy is next. Organising stuff, so it's all good. Beautiful nice. day down here on the Naki, by the way. Oh, nice. Backbone of the country. Uh, feeling sorry for us Aucklanders or me up here in Level 4? Um, yes. Love it, love it, Mark. All right, your sporting categories are rugby, cricket, and boxing. What are you going to go for? Well, I'll take cricket, even though Smithy's probably going to know a bit about it, but we'll go cricket. Yeah, you might know a thing or two, eh? All right, let's get started. Yeah. All right, Mark from Taranaki, your first question is. Who was the player who batted with Nathan Astle in a last-wicket stand to deny England victory in the first test at Eden Park in 1997? Famous draw, Nathan Astle was in, he had a tail-ender with him. Who was it? Yeah, I get the feeling that it was uh, that fantastic batsman Danny Morrison. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Smithy, a very memorable 14 not out from Danny Morrison off 133 balls. Yeah, and that made a lot of the fact that Danny Morrison, Danny Morrison had a lot of ducks in his career as well, and that was what he was known for. But I promise you this, Danny Morrison could bat. He had a fairly good technique, uh, and uh, he was okay. Um, And those ducks, I don't think, were a fair indication of his ability. Yeah, well, quite amazing that Danny Morrison, after that effort, was dropped and never played for New Zealand again. So that was the last time Danny Morrison batted for New Zealand in a test match. Very memorable. All right, question number two, Mark. In the first game against Australia at the 1992 World Cup, who ran out David Boone? Ooh, come on, 1992. Uh, Eden Park, I believe. Um... 92 World Cups, you ran them out. Oh, look, I will, I'll say Martin Crow. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not correct, and I've got a feeling Smithy might get this right because he was actually there on the field playing. 
Well, there's two big runouts in that game. Two big runouts in that one uh, for me, Mark. One um, was uh, Dean Jones being run out from the boundary by uh, Chris Cairns with an absolutely magnificent throw. Uh, but the other one, I'm led to believe from memory, uh, may have been his Canterbury teammate, Chris Harris. There he goes, all the way, up into the stand, one ahead into the first tier. That's hitting a cricket ball. Yeah, one of the most famous runouts of all time. Chris Harris from side on, from about 50 metres from the stumps, running out David Boone, who was on 100 at the time. Just fantastic. So unlucky, Mark, you're not winning today. Oh, well, not to worry. A little bit of a tricky question, I thought, but it was. Um, not to worry. Yeah, and a bit unfair that Smithy was actually there and was definitely going to get that one right, which means, Brenton, you're on the line now and your chance to win. We're going to stick with cricket. You just need to get one question right and you will win. Cool. Awesome. Bit of a tricky one, this one. Who was the oh, first thanks. New Zealander to take 100 test wickets? First New Zealander. Yep. Oh, oh, this could be, be before bloody uh, things, guys. Yep. Uh, I'm going to oh, say him, uh, Richard Hadley. I'll say him. He's got him. He's out caught. That is not correct, Smithy. You know who was the first New Zealand cricketer to take 100 test wickets? Uh, I'm going to sneak his suspicion it might have been a fella by the name of Dick Motts. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Exactly right, Smithy. It was Dick Motts, but we're feeling generous here. I know that Brenton is from Auckland, still in level four, so to keep him happy, we're going to chuck him $50 thanks to the TAB. Oh, these guys, bloody, yeah, it's stuck in little four, mate, with two little kids. Oh, man, man, I feel <laughs> for you. Two little kids as well and no takeaways, but we'll be there soon, Brenton. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, hopefully two weeks. Excellent. All right, Brenton, stay on the line. Give us your details. Thanks, mate. Yeah, Smithy, Very two stumpings. John. Well done. Yep, yep. Well, he picked cricket and picked a couple of good ones there for me. I actually knew the first one as well. So um, but I think the first time today that I've known all three answers, so yeah, just a little bit unlucky, particularly Mark from uh, Taranaki, but Brenton does, uh, he does well at losing, that's weird, anyway, we'll do that, (laughs) (laughs) 11.39 here on SENZ, um, and when we return, I'm really looking forward to speaking to this bloke, Um, he is uh, so talented, it's uh, unbelievable, Oscar Kitely with us next. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Sports, no joke. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From Wimbledon to the Astrodome. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Well, we normally have a comedian or a sports no joke on a Wednesday, but uh, today we've gone an extra step because our guest exceeds that label. He's a writer, an actor, a TV presenter, a director, a show such as Bro Town, uh, Sione's Wedding, wonderful movie, uh, the Dawn Raid movie, and Pacific Brothers and Sisters is one of his latest projects. Uh, he's also a very funny man to boot. Uh, good morning, Oscar Keitler. Uh, Oscar Keitler, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Oh, good morning. Absolute uh, privilege to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me. Hey, Oscar. Yeah, Oscar, you've got Pacific Brothers uh, back up and running again, series uh, number three. Uh, tell us a, a wee bit about the program because it's quite fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of one that we dreamed up in Level 4 last year because we all needed jobs. 
it was either that or work at Countdown um, and be an essential worker. And um, so we thought of a show where we could talk to people uh, via Zoom, just because that was a normal thing at the time, uh, to pro athletes, um, pro rugby players. And then it kind of just grew, and you know, once Level Four um, came down, it just grew into something really awesome. It just became like a bus figure lens on on sports and sports people, and uh, and we shoot it out of um, my mate's garage in Mangere Bridge. Uh, we say it's a garage, but he's converted it into a state of the art TV facility. Um, but we get guests come into the show sometimes, and you know, maybe because it is kind of like a garage, you know, it helps them be really relaxed. And so we have some quite cool chats with people at times. Well, what I like about it, Oscar, and I've watched it often, is that you're dealing with uh, a, an area of New Zealand culture and New Zealand sport, which has been so deep and so rich for so long, but perhaps just a little bit ignored. Yeah, I yeah, I know, isn't it weird? Especially when as, you know, all sports people and all people in sports will tell you you know, over the last thirty, forty years, Pacific people have been a huge part of that from every corner of the country. Um, you know, in clubs and volunteer organizations and school level. So it is good to finally kind of be doing more kind of Pacific centered sports broadcasting but I think it's broadcasting that's still accessible to everyone because they're Pacific sports heroes but they're New Zealand sports heroes that everybody knows about and wants to know more about and it's good it's good to be able to show kind of different sides of them as well. Tell us about um, Oscar Kitely the sportsman as such. What's the <laughs> background in sport? Man I, I mean I, I I, I grew up in Te Atatū, and so the team that everyone follows out here is the Te Atatū uh, Roosters. That's the rugby league team. So l- league was a big thing growing up. But for me personally as a sporto, um, I was a terrible loser, and so I was never going to be any good at sport because I wasn't that good. So I kind of just focused myself into creative pursuits, but I always liked that I did sport growing up and I and also as a as a kind of new New Zealander, you know, I came here when I was four, one of the cool ways to kind of know about the country and learn and engage with this new place that you're in is through the following of its sports teams. It's really weird. It's like all blacks is one of the first things that you fall in love with as you get used to living in New Zealand. Um so you kind of become a lifelong sports fan and you know, when you're a trade and you know, I became a uh, a cricket fan during our glorious era of the 80s. And so that locked me into a love for cricket, um, even through its up and ups and downs since then. Um, but, yeah, it's just something I always love. And to me, like, I, my first job when I left school was to be a journalist. One thing I loved about sports reporting is that more often than not, it's good news that you're getting to share as opposed to, you know, some of the tragic things that you have to cover in general news. So I always loved that sports was about people overcoming things and doing well. Hey, Oscar, well, if you look for content and, and you look for good news stories, you've been gifted a beauty now because, of course, Moana Pacifica, Fijian Drua, they're under the big time, man. You guys have been waiting a long time, so now you've got quite a lot of subject matter, I would imagine. How cool is this? Oh man, this is so cool. I mean, even before we get to 
any of the you know cool things about who's going to be involved and who's coaching it. It's just a historic day, and you know, if you've been following specifically rugby for a long time, you know you you'll know that in the last five years of 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 the amateur days, Pacific rugby nations were starting to get parity with the Tier One nations. They were beating Wales and Scotland and threatening Australia, um, and then of course professionalism changed all that. And we've been waiting uh, since then, since 1996, to kind of get a foot back in the door. And here it is, it's finally happened. And this is absolutely huge. And even before we talk about the realities of entering a new team, some of the challenges they'll be facing, some of the uh, stuff in the landscape that is around, you know, when that first team runs out, they're going to be carrying... You know, it's going to be on the shoulders of a lot of people who have dared to dream and hope and who never gave up that dream of seeing, um, you know, Pacific sporting excellence represented on a professional setting in New Zealand and being part of a big competition. So your program at, at the moment, your current program, Pacific Brothers and Sisters, uh, look, who, who have you, and at the interview, you, you have enjoyed the most so far, and I, I'm sure the other people won't be upset about it. The one you've enjoyed most <laughs> so far, and the person you, and the and the person Oscar you're perhaps most likely or looking forward to talking to this time around. Um, <clears throat> gosh, you know what? I mean, I we we interviewed Ross Taylor via Zoom because he was in Barbados at the time. And we were scheduled to have him into the studio just when we went into level four. So I'm really looking forward to um, speaking to Ross about that world championship final and how he hang on, how he stayed around after the disappointment of the previous final that we'd made, and just how much poetry there was, you know, on that um, magical day. So I'm really looking forward to talking to Ross. And I guess I guess among my favourites have been people like um, Dame Valerie Adams was, was an absolute highlight, and talking to her about stuff that um, faces women athletes. And like I never thought we'd be talking about things like menstrual cycles and timing and the ups and downs and things that come with that, and the, how that is challenging for women athletes because I think it's something that maybe in sports coverage doesn't get. Um, as much attention talking about those issues, um, but I guess as a schoolboy rugby league fan, my my one of my absolute heroes I got to interview was Fred Arcoy, and uh, hearing him talk about the glory days of Auckland League in the seventies, when even though the Kiwis never beat the Aussies in the seventies, the Ki- the Auckland team beat them twice, I think it was, and so. Fred Akoi was an absolute um, joy, and Dame Valerie was hugely um, illuminating and entertaining. Oscar, look, I so uh, look forward to watching uh, your great work on uh, Brothers and Sisters and, uh, and your next project uh, as well after that, because uh, you're such a talented man. Uh, I don't think for one second you sit still for too long. Uh, uh, great to have you on the show, uh, an honour for me. So uh, thanks very much, and, and go well, my friend. Uh, look, we've got uh, a, a break to take, and then uh, Staffy, uh, Mark Stafford, just before midday. Zed. Just a couple of minutes to midday, just a chance to pop across to uh, Mark Stafford, of course, who uh, takes over 
the running of the cutter very, very shortly. Steph, a busy afternoon in prospect for you? Yeah, busy afternoon, Smithy. Um, it's hard not to talk about rugby with the big Bledisloe Cup coming up. Uh, Matt Burke, a former Wallaby, coming to us, um, hopefully. Haven't got his number yet, but he said yes uh, via Sam Hewitt, who's away today because he had a COVID jab. He's taken a whole day off for a COVID jab, Smithy. Unbelievable scenes. Uh, Frankie Dagas, uh, Argentinian rugby journalist, joins us because I'm really concerned about Argentinian rugby, Smithy, with no Hawaris in Super Rugby. So where to from for, for the Argentinian side of things? Brett Phillips joins us on a daily basis to give us US Open updates. Uh, Matt Ingram who's part of Sophie Pascoe's coaching group uh, over in Tokyo. So we'll catch up with Matt. Wayne Goldsmith, our coaching guru. And here's a name sports listeners will remember, Kent Johns, who is now a, a life and uh, health lifestyle coach. Uh, we're getting him on as part of our lockdown lessons series on how we can take care of ourselves. But Smithy, tomorrow, and I'm not telling you now, Tomorrow, I've got an interview with someone I've been chasing for four years, and it's happening tomorrow. Four, four years, Steph. Four years four I've years. been in touch with this guy, and he's finally he's finally found a time that we can do it. I'm pre-recording it tomorrow morning, but I am fizzed to be getting this guy on in the from the world of golf. Oh. Oh. Oh, the mind boggles. Well, I can tell you tomorrow, we've got someone I've been looking forward to talking to for the last 10 years as well. And he's got the same surname as me. That's all I'll say about that. In the meantime, in the meantime, thank you very much, Trudy. Thank you very much, Brian. And thank you very much, John. The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for sport. It's Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit tyrepower.com.au now.